Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Brandt Bernard, Cassie Schrader. And Alex is, Alex? oh, she's just coming in now. Shout your name out, Alex. She can't hear you. <laughs> okay, never mind. We'll be back with Alex talking right after this. Tom Bernard Show. Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Tell us about this warranty for life thing. I, you, know, you know, you understand a lot more about this than I do. Well, of course. I know you're not an automotive mechanic. So let me tell you a cool story. This just happened a couple of days ago. I got an email. Somebody emailed me at Doug at Walzer.com, and he goes, Hey, I bought a 2005, and I think it was a Honda Accord, back in 2014, having some problems with the engine. Uh, do I have any coverage? So... I called the Honda store, we looked it up, and sure enough, the card qualified for a lifetime powertrain warranty. So it had to be under 60,000 miles at the time of purchase, a uh, non-highline vehicle. And they covered the engine repair. Think about what that means. That's a 13-year-old car, and the guy got his engine replaced. It doesn't cover every single thing on the car, but all the, it's like major medical coverage. So the engine goes bad, transmission, four-wheel drive system. You're covered as long as you own the car, as long as you maintain it to factory standards. It's pretty cool. It actually is really cool. Well, I mean, it's a lot cooler than you or me. Well, it is really cool, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, 15-year-old car. And that's why I buy all my cars, and my family buys all their cars from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com, because of warranty for life. And you like working with me, too, right, Tommy? Tommy? Tom? I, I don't think he's there. <laughs> That's really nice. Very professionally <laughs> delivered from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. What's good for 10 years? That Costco mac and cheese. Oh, the 17 no, the gallon. Giant box. Yeah. 20 years. <laughs> yeah, 20 That's 20 gallon. years it's good. Oh. Not yeah, a problem. 20 stable. years you can keep it around. And, yep, it's true. Gross. Is Michael ready to go? Yep. Michael Bodine, A Psychic's Life, What It's Really Like. Michael, how are you? Tom, <laughs> how are you? I haven't talked to you forever. I know it's been forever, and Echo, I haven't seen a hide nor hair, as they say, which is upsetting. Oh, you have a great family. Yes. 
Thanks. I love my family. I love my sisters. Yeah, yeah that my sister. I have another sister, Nikki, who's like doing a bunch of. She just started doing medium stuff, which you know is kind of boring, but um, she's really good. At it. <laughs> Spoken That's like nice. a true brother, right yeah. there. That's boring as hell, but I love her anyway. That's nice, well, Michael. That's uh, yeah, really I, nice. <laughs> I never really got into the whole medium thing. I mean, it's it's a nice thing. It's great. Like the, it, it's like it's helpful for people that are like new to the whole thing and you know oh my dead relatives are you know around and all that stuff it's nice to reaffirm all that stuff but it bores the hell out of me i gotta tell you <laughs> okay well hey, you know whatever <laughs> how old were you yeah. when you discovered what, what, what were the first signs you were psychic how old were you and what were the first signs well you know i didn't even know it was a sign i the the, the first thing that i was um told see when i was a little kid like as far as i can remember i always saw colors around people you know and i just thought everybody could i just thought everybody could had color could see colors and i didn't realize it was odd until i was talking to um one of our teachers or this lady this old lady named birdie who um when i was talking to her about it was telling her that yeah you know you're you got the color whatever it changes all the time and i wanted to know why they changed and she said that that was auras or something like that which it mm-hmm. it kind of bugged me at the time because I thought it was just normal, but um, then when I found out it wasn't, I kind of tried to ignore it as much as I could. But I was uh, the first time I remember that was, gosh, I was like five, I think. Yeah, like five. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't weird or anything. It was just like I just saw colors around people. And yeah, and again, <laughs> you, how would you how would you know this? But. Yeah. You thought everybody saw colors around people. That would make sense that you would think that. Of course you would. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it, yeah. And so I just assumed. And I'd mention it every once in a while, I think, to people. But they always just thought I was nutty anyway because I was so – I was a pretty hyper kid. Oh, they just thought I was no, kind not of you. always coming up with stuff. Yeah, not, not me. <laughs> not yeah. you or Echo or anybody else. <laughs> no, I, no. I, I no just, we were just uh, normal so, Right, so you go to school. You're you're now what five years old. You enter school, and how how right. did it progress from there? From just seeing colors around people, how did it progress? Well, it it just I I kind of just knew things about people. Like I knew, like if somebody uh, a kid would come up and talk to me about something, I I would get um I, I just I would know stuff about them, like that their dad was an alcoholic or or um, that you know, somebody was going to get hurt or something like somebody at the playground was going to fall or, you know, it was just weird stuff, stupid stuff. But again, like I just thought everybody else kind of knew that stuff. Like it, I, it just seemed right. like it was common sense that Billy was going to hit his head on the slide and get stitches, you know, stuff like that. And, um, so, you, so I you didn't know that, that it coming. was, yeah, you could see it. It, it was, yeah, it, it, it was like somebody, it's like, you just knew, you know, you, you just knew that, it was going to be bright during the day and, and, and you were going to, it was going to get dark at night. You just knew that so-and-so's mother was going to get in a car accident. It, it wasn't like this, like this voice came and it was really ominous and dark and everything and said, Billy's mother is going to die or anything like that. It was just like, you could tell, Oh yeah, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. It wasn't, it was kind of normal. You know, it was just kind of, it was just kind of normal. I, and I didn't think anything of it until all the psychic crap started happening at my house, and then, then it was like, oh, it's all that. So, I, I so, think I, I would have been okay uh, if if all the psychic stuff hadn't happened. But, um, 
Well, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? But, um, but yeah, I didn't really think of it as a psychic stuff or anything odd until all this psychic stuff started happening at the house. And then people started explaining it to me that this was that and this was that. No, was that it was weird though? Echo. No, well, it, it could have been. Because Echo. Uh, <laughs> That's really nice. Such Echo. a brother right there. Yeah, it's a brother. Yeah. Well, she she was the first her and my mother actually it was more my mother. My mother was really into it. Um she really liked it. And and she brought Echo along because Echo's the oldest and um mm-hmm. and so Echo had to go with her to all these different places, you know, like to the psychics and stuff to look to get readings and stuff, my mother would drag Echo. So it wasn't necessary. Echo wanted to be like Sandy Duncan. That was her thing. She wanted to have like a bunch of kids, just be normal, knit, yeah. you know, bake cookies, that kind of stuff. And so she wasn't really into it either. Um, I, I think it depressed her. And she was a lot older. She was like nine years older than I am. So she, she was more aware of stuff. And she's the older, you know, so, so she had to be more responsible about things and, 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 I didn't because I'm the youngest, so I can just do whatever I wanted and, you know, can get away with it. <laughs> so I think she took it more seriously and was more protective of the whole thing than I was. I was just like, yeah, whatever. But she, um, she, she didn't go into it gently either, I don't think. I think she was kind of curious about it. But then she had this, like, healing stuff going on for her, and she could, you know, do stuff. And, and she, she voluntarily kind of, learned about it, went to classes and did all that kind of stuff. I, I didn't, I didn't go to any classes. I didn't want to. <laughs> so you, ne- you never did, just, did was, early on was this well, I mean, frightening I had to, to you? I mean, it, right. You know what was right. scary? Was the ghost at the house. There was always these ghosts at the house. I mean, you know, really? you'd walk down. Yeah, it was, it was, the place was lousy with ghosts. And I don't know if, if it was just, because, well, I think it was because our family was supposed to develop it and learn all about it or whatever. But the, then as we started to get into it, it's like it even got worse. You know, it's like every ghost that was bored would come to our house because there was a chance that people were going to listen to them or see them or whatever. And so, you know, it, it, I, you know you'd, <laughs> you'd walk down the hall and, and you'd feel somebody behind you. You'd turn around there's like this person standing right there. You know, that's the, that's the stuff that was unnerving that... You never knew what was going yeah. to be there, and um, so that was the stuff that freaked me out. And I, I got, I was scared to death of ghosts until probably I was fifteen. No, not 15, maybe twelve. I was scared to death of them. Maybe, maybe earlier. No. Yeah, did you find out that? Did your mother or father? Uh, did this happen to them? In or did it happen in any previous generations in your family? Well, you know, here's the thing. My my families are all my 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 family background. They're all kind of uh, you know gypsies and thieves and just you know alcoholics and, just, and you know not the most reputable <laughs> people in the world. And um, and my mother my mother's whole side of the family are Irish. You know the McKees and mm-hmm. um, and so she, you know they all tell stories about this person or that person and they all they used to call it the shining you know this person had the shining and that person had the shining so there was some there was talk about it and then my mother's mother was a gypsy and you know they always talked about that stuff and my father was adopted who knows where the hell he came from he um i I, you know i don't i don't know where he came from but it was you know it had been talked about in my, my mother's side of the family and she was the one like i said that was really interested in all this stuff 
she, I mean, she, and she was so good. I mean, she was really, really good. She was, she was the kind of person you, you know, that you would talk to her. She could see right through you and hear all your thoughts. And she just knew stuff. And she was really sweet. She was like, you know, Betty Crocker with psychics. You know, she was just so sweet. You know, she just knew everything. Mm-hmm. She did. You could have cancer, and she wouldn't. Um, you could. She would tell you in a way that you feel actually good about it. You know, she was just so good about that stuff. But. Um, yeah, my family. Yeah, my family. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, um, my mother and my father kept pretty much separate from everybody else because um, we. I didn't like have any cousins that I knew about or or uh, uncles or anything like that. So because my father was, like I said, adopted, and my mother was an only child, and so we just. It was like we just started our family from that point. But then I would find out later that you know we had. Um, relatives and then my father kind of had this whole double life thing where he had this other family going for him and and then oh really yeah my dad was a you know he was a rolling stone man that you know those old guys those old that father generations you know mean tough alcoholic kind of guys that just yep have have these other secret lives that was my dad so i i have i have some half brothers and sisters out there and I, one of them i know has some abilities um so it, you know, it must be carry on some way, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that much about, I, I don't know that much about the the past. I just, I just heard stories from from my mom when, yeah. when I was younger about. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that absolutely. So, so how do all these celebrities, um, how you know, you're a guy in Minnesota. But now, all of a sudden, yeah. Yeah, I'm not asking you to name any of your celebrity your clients or whatever. Well, you just named but, but somebody, how, yeah. How do they find you? How how did that all start? Yeah, you, okay, so back in the 80s, you know, I was I was doing these readings, and I was like, I, I was, back then I was just cocky as hell. And I, because I didn't really like this whole thing, but I, I just did it just to do it, just to kind of defiantly do readings. I, I just... It was really easy to do, you know, things would show up and people would show up. And, and so anyway, I was doing these readings and I would do them at bars because I, when I was growing up, you had to do readings like it was almost like a ceremony, you know, really quiet and you'd give water to the spirit and you'd sing Kumbaya and burn incense and all that stuff. And that used to just burn, bug the crap out of me. So I would, I would do them in places like um, bars and restaurants and any place noisy and just to kind of get away from that whole thing. And, um, and so I, I was down at the warehouse district and, um, and I was talking to this one guy who was a producer guy and I, I, I started doing a whole bunch of people like that. You know, back then there was a bunch of artists and all that kind of stuff back then or back in that era. And this one guy, um, had this, um, friend, um, that he would talk to on the phone. And at one point he, he asked me to talk to him and, um, uh, I'm trying to remember this guy's name. He's, it's, it's always a blank whenever. But um, anyway, I started talking to this guy. And, and the first thing I noticed when I started talking to him on the phone was he was really different. It, it's like his whole vibe was really different. It was, it, it was kind of exciting. Um, and his name was Bob. They just, you know, we just called him Bob. And, uh, and but he would only want these short little, like, he only had like short little questions like, am I going to die of a heart attack? Or am I going to get in trouble with my wife? Or, you know, stuff like that. And, but I like, I really liked him. And, um, and then finally, after I, you know, and I, and I've talked to him and then, you know, I, 
hang up. And then he, I talked to him another week later on or something like that. And it turned out he was Bob Fosse. And I got, um, at the oh, time yeah. I didn't know who it was, but I was, but when I found out who it was, it was really exciting. Cause I, I kind of realized. Uh, Oops. Oop. Did he drop? I, I don't know, people that'll do, there do, oh, there oh, there you are. Sorry. Yeah. You dropped for a second. Yeah, I did. Sorry about mm-hmm. that. Um, it was, it's, it was one of those things where I just, so celebrities have this vibe to them. Like they'll do anything for any, at anybody just because they have to, you know, they're kind of narcissistic and they just, they got to do stuff. And I, right. I kind of like that vibe. Um, so anyway, uh, he was the first guy I ever started talking to. And then he, it's all kind of like, you know, flavor of the month. Like um, all these, all these celebrities have their little psychics and they all like to talk, talk about their psychic, like hairdressers, you know? And well, my psychic said this, my psychic said that, and so that's how I got kind of turned um, tossed around. I just started doing people, and um, and the less I I advertise, the better. You know, if they, if I think it was better if you were kind of underground, and and that's I, I, you know it's all word of mouth. So it, it's a really small community out there, and people talk. And if the stuff, if I got lucky, the stuff turned out, then they would talk about it and. I just started doing people. And it's not, you know, it's not like I'm this great psychic kind of like that. I just, um, I just get hooked up. And I, and I kind of, I'm a future guy. Like, you know, there's all different kinds of psychics. You know, some people find keys and, or they talk about your past life or, you know, the whole medium, you know, they talk to your dead relatives and stuff. And I, I, I'm more of a future guy. I just, I talk more about the stuff that's coming up and the opportunities right. and relationships and stuff. And, you know, and they work through those people. And it works for me because, you know, like, like most of the time when I do readings for people, um, I like eight out of ten people that call me, I, I can't do. Not because I, I can't do them. It's just that I know that they're not going to do the stuff that they're here to do. Like, you can tell right off the bat. And so I just don't um, – so I, I just don't do it. But I know that most of the people – in, that I talked to in Los Angeles are going to do them because, like I said, they have this kind of narcissism thing about them, and and they got it. If there's an opportunity coming, they're going to take it. You know, they just they got it. Otherwise, they're going to die. And um, so it's easier for me because I know that the people are going to do it. And it's not that they're great people because a lot of them are jerks. But um, <laughs> they. Uh, That's nice. That's nice. But they, you know, there's some of them that are that are really nice, but um, most of them are you know not that great. And it's, um, uh, it used to be disheartening. Like when I would, when I, when I talked to somebody that I, that I thought was just great, you know, and I'd, I'd watch him on television all the time and then I'd, I'd talk to him, you know, it, it, and then you find out they're a total jerk. It, you know, it kind of sucked at times, but. Yeah, I understand that completely. Yeah. The book is called A Psychic's Life, What It's Really Like. Michael Bodine, B-O-D-I-N-E. Michael, always a great pleasure. Say hello to the family, if you would, for me. And I, we got to get together one of these days. It'd be one. I know we got to go golfing one day, Michael. I know you've been talking about it. Come on. I, I have to get that done. I got to get it done, Michael. Yeah, Thank left. you, sir. Okay. I'll talk we'll to you later. Thanks a lot. Michael Bodine, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. 
a program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. It's come to my attention that you might not understand what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. I'm the executive director of the organization, and I'll do my best to clear that up. First, I'd never complain about a $4 cup of coffee, but I am moved to tears when someone gives their last $20 for a cause they believe in. The Gold Star Ride Foundation doesn't just ride around the country. That's just a tiny bit of our work. What we really do is tell Sally at that coffee shop that someone died for her freedom. And we tell Dom and Logan, two boys who are growing up without a father, that we're going to make sure they get a good education. And we tell Viola that even though her oldest son died 51 years ago, there's at least one organization that has not forgotten that sacrifice. Every Gold Star family is different, but each one needs, no, deserves to be acknowledged and helped in any way they need. We do everything we can, anywhere we can, to do that. GoldStarRide.org. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there he is. Hello. I'm back. No, I'm just listening to a song. I like this song. I'm surprised Alex didn't get all crazy when he said Bob Fosse. I know. That was, that's cool. That's a cool story. Uh, Michael's a great guy. That family, Echo Bodine, Michael Bodine. I don't know Nikki. Well, I met Nikki. I don't know her, though. But nice, really, really nice family. But isn't it interesting that... that what one generation begets from the next generation, you know, yeah. how how there's always there are problems and you kind of learn to learn to deal with them. I remember right? I remember last time he was on, he came to the house. So it was like when we mm-hmm. first were. He hasn't been on in a long time. Yeah. yeah. It's like when the yeah, podcast hasn't. was first on. Why. Good guy. Um, but mm-hmm. I remember him saying that there's like a scale of connection with the other side and stuff and he's like you know zero would be just completely unaware has no connection to right spirits or anything and then 10 would be like him who you know can see colors and people and like Mm -hmm. sees the future and all this stuff and um he's like so it's not like everybody's either completely disconnected or completely connected there's some people that have are like in the middle and they have like these flashes of things that they can't really explain and which I think is cool and I think is true. 
No, it's, it, it is a fascinating. Do you think that, you know, because he mentioned that his father was kind of a, a get about a man about town, yeah. a big drinker and kind of a crabby guy and Secret all the rest of it. Family. Do you think part of learning to read other people like that is a way that you deal with life? Because reality sometimes is not the greatest. And I'm not saying it's not reality. It's a different reality, though, having to deal with, with somebody in your own home who's dangerous. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I think people are just sometimes just more sensitive to just, I don't want to say, I guess the word is vibe. Because, I don't know, I've, I've, I've met people who I've started joking around with, and mm-hmm. I a lot of times will hit a nerve not not that I intentionally did it, and it's it's happened so many times that sometimes I think that I must be reading people not like their auras or whatever, but I just am sensitive to something, and it comes off in a different way to me. You know, like a ah, I don't I don't even know how to make any examples, but I just feel like that there's some people that you just get readings from easier, and then I just think yeah, I think what you said is when you're living around people that give you a lot of stress, um, you do become super sensitive. Absolutely. I would think that is true. I, I, you, you learn to deal with life any way you possibly can, right? I they used so. to say that you have to have a tra- something traumatic happen to you in order to become sensitive to that kind of thing. Right. So yeah, I don't know if they still sense, believe that, it? but... Day. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think that makes I think that makes total sense that you 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 kind of try to deal with it any way you possibly can, and if it doesn't make sense to you, because to, to a little kid, that kind of outlandish behavior by your father, your mother, your cousin, whomever, you can't deal with that. So you just go, mm. you know, uh, I'll deal with it any way I can, and I guess that's well. Part. Yeah, a lot of people get rageful. <clears throat> I don't know who that would be. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about there. Yeah, and some people just get to be very alert and very aware of their surroundings because if you're not feeling safe, you have to be observant. Right. No, it's very, very true. So, interesting guess. The Bodine uh, Bodine family is really, really nice. Echo Bodine and Michael Bodine, and and like I said, I met Nikki, I don't really know her, but very nice family. I'd love to have a reading done by one of them one day. Be fun. Well, they do that, absolutely. We should we do it on the air? We'll find out all this stuff about you that... Sure. I don't care. Uh, you know what I'm saying. I had a psychic reading, like... Oh, you did? We were on that boat. Remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. Ruth. Ruth, yes. Oh, yeah. Ruth, Ruth Lord. Yep. Yeah, and she told me that I was going to... Oh, gonna... Ruth would be happy to come on any time and do a reading. Yeah, yeah. we should do a reading with, with Ruth. That would be fun. She Ruth told me I was going nice to have person. twins, and I married a twin. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's been, that's close. Yeah, close enough, yeah. you know. Well, it's I remember, generation to generation. I remember you, Dad. She said that your dad was sorry about the velvet rope, and you like look like you had seen a ghost after she said that. Yeah. Because yeah, something. Yeah, you said, "How do you know that? How do you know that?" Something about a movie theater. That yeah. You went under the rope, and your dad mm-hmm. got really mad at you mm-hmm. and yelled at you. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But then she told yep. me that I had a small white bunny. Yeah, Which she I never kept had. seeing a small white rabbit for you. She was talking about me, the small white bunny. <laughs> well, there's a lot of right? small white bunnies that you're in a constant battle with. They're not white, though. They're gray. Well, They're gray bunnies. I don't know. Yeah, I don't the know what the bunny keeps trying to kill. 
Yes. <laughs> Jude yeah. chasing it. Murderer. Honest to God. Jude got into a little bit of mischief again today. What? Not, Not Jude. Jude. Mischief. So, so we had this meeting with some God. people about podcast business, and uh, I went down to um, this French bakery down the road and got some pastries so that they'd have a little something to eat because I didn't know their situation, if they'd been you know, in town for a long time or whatever. So I got some pastries and everybody helped themselves. And we went out onto the veranda and um, Tom's bringing them down to the other end of the veranda to show them some view of something. (laughs) I look over and Jude's got his feet up on the, on the table, licking somebody's Yeah, he's licking the like, croissant. What? That's oh really great. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he's like, he's like all happy. He's like, yay! Thanks for the croissant. Thanks for getting me a croissant. Sure. That was nice of you. Luckily, it didn't have chocolate in it. Thank God. He was just licking it. He wasn't eating it. No, if true. it had been another minute and I hadn't caught him, he definitely would have dragged that thing off into a corner. It's true. So yeah, a little bit of mischief today. We have, ladies and gentlemen, the. Uh, I think Sarah Knight. It says "Hello, Dustin" logo. I don't know what that. <laughs> Hello, Dustin. Hello, Tom. Sarah, is it? Hey, who's oh, this? Oh, it's Joe. Oh, it's Joe. Louisville. Joe, how... how you doing, Joe from Louisville? <laughs> what does Good. Dustin have to do with it? Uh, yeah, what? Why, why, why is that railing on me? I just want to say that everybody else makes mistakes too. Yeah. Makes you what? Makes mistakes. Who makes mistakes? I don't know what we're talking about. He's the one that sent me that thing. Me. Oh, that thing. Oh, you're talking about the... The 17-year-old. Uh, was suing his parents. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, you know, just fact-checking is a big deal. Unfortunately, <laughs> Joe, you have to fact-check everything now because everybody does nothing but... Well, that story I just read, the beer, craft beer business in Minneapolis could be hurt by the shutdown because they can't open a store in Milwaukee? What the hell is that... That's got nothing to do with beer business in Minnesota. It's just this weird clickbait stuff. They'll do anything to get you to click on stuff. It's very, very true. So, Joe, what's up in your world, man? Not a lot. Just wanted to, uh, I'll defend myself a little bit. Oh, you wanted to defend yourself. Well, I wouldn't do that with this family. It it, it ends up going on the wrong road. I've been duped before with internet stories. And it will happen again. Mm, Pretty much true. Right. That is pretty much true. Sadly. It will. Oops, I thought you were going to say something. Yeah, Sorry about that, Joe. I, I got a hold of Kostaki on Facebook, and uh, he said I should uh, find him after the show. Oh, you're going to, that's right, that's this Friday night, isn't it? Yep, yep. I got back to him last fun. night, I said, you sure you're going to have enough time between shows? He said, oh, yeah, I was looking forward to seeing you. Okay. Oh, Kostaki's a great a guy. He's a very nice man. He is. He's a really, really good guy. And you guys are about the same height, so that'll work out. It'll be perfect. You see eye to eye cool. on that deal. It'll be right. wonderful. All right, man, behave. I think I'll bring him some Krispy Kreme, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, smart guy. Right, way to go. He'll like that. Don't worry about our feelings at all. It'll be terrific. Yeah, have a good time. Let me know how that uh, – give us a call next week and tell me uh, how that worked out, if you would, Okay. Yeah, are you guys going to be there Monday? Um, be where, where are we being Monday? Are you, are you doing a show Monday? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're going to, yep, yeah, we'll be on a Monday. Why? Absolutely. Is there something on Monday? Is it okay, Martin I'll call you sometime Monday afternoon. Yeah, 
that. We've got the day oh, off. Sounds good. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We should Martin take the day, the day off. <laughs> well, listen to Catherine. Okay. Yeah, I whatever. love days off. <laughs> we got a day off, thank God. Joe, thanks very much, man. Yep. We will talk talk to you soon. We shall okay, indeed talk to you soon. Uh, Sarah bye-bye. Knight is on the phone. Oh, she is good. Yes. Excellent. It's all timing out magnificently. That's all I know. It is. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Knight, uh, I have to ask a question, Sarah, before I introduce you completely. Could I ask you a question? You sure can. Did my wife call you and say, you need to talk to Tom about this? <laughs> no. You did, did you? I did not. I should have. I'm telling I've you, Sarah. I've received no phone calls from anybody's wife. It says here, Sarah Knight promoting the book, Calm the F Down, How to Control What You Can and Accept What You Can't So You Can Stop Freaking Out and Get On With Your Life. Uh, I'm sorry, but there's the No Fs Given Guides. Uh, This sounds like something Catherine would have teed up because I do. I might get a little (laughs) wound up, Sarah. There's a possibility I get wound up. He needs your book. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) I do need your book, Sarah. It happens to the best of us. Does it? Is that why you put it together? Because because you, cal- you, you couldn't calm down yourself. Is that why? That that is part of it, actually. That is definitely part of it. But I also want to help people like you calm down. I will. I'm going to learn today. While Sarah Knight is on talking about calm the f down, how to control what you can, accept what you can't. So you can stop freaking out and get on with your life. I isn't love it. it. Isn't that kind of like the twelve-step program that AA deals with? It's kind of like this, it's kind of like that. And they don't Actually, the I'm not, not going to lie to you. When I was when I was writing the book, I started to realize that it basically is a long-form version of the Serenity Prayer, but with curse words and flowcharts and graphics. which is fun. <laughs> So they're cooler. Well, plus the fact is it's much more likely that a guy might, like me would read what you have to say instead of the serenity prayer. Because the word serenity is in it, so I would avoid it completely. I think, uh, you know, to each his own. I, I am also not much for <laughs> serenity, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> so tell me all about Calm the F Down. How did it all start? Well, this is the fourth book in the No F's Given Guide series. It just came Mm -hmm. out last week. Mm -hmm. And really, everything started when I quit my corporate job in 2015 and kind of moved from New York City down to a tropical island in the Dominican, you know, the Dominican Republic and started writing books. And all of the stuff that I learned about, uh, you know, getting out of the rat race and being a little bit calmer and looking out for number one and, you know, living life while you still can has been translated into this series of books. It is a wonderful thing. Sarah, I think we need you more than ever right now because if you go anywhere near Twitter (laughs) or Facebook or anything else, nobody calms the F down. What is the problem, Sarah? It's terrible. Well, I have a whole section in the new book called How to Calm the F Down While the World is Falling Apart. And uh, I think it's definitely very useful for the times in which we find ourselves. Uh, and my first suggestion, frankly, is put the phone down and walk away or the laptop or whatever it is you're, you're using to plug into Twitter. Mm-hmm. I right. like it. No, it, it does amaze me that, that to me, now, now, am I reading this right, Sarah? Because to me, because I don't go on Twitter or Facebook or any of that stuff anymore. It, it just got to the point where if you're not going to reveal who you really are, I have no interest in talking to you. You know what I mean? If you're going to be mm-hmm. hiding behind some other name, I have no interest in talking to you. I can't learn anything. So 
what I've come away with lately, because it, you know, it pops up quite often. I do a morning show as well, so that pops up there. And then on this show in the afternoon, it pops up. I just get the impression that these people who use fake names and then rail on everybody feel inadequate or they, they feel they're tinier than they should be or they just don't feel good about themselves. So the whole world's going to get it because I don't feel good. Is that what this is really all about? I have a feeling that you're on to something, and I also hope that all those people are listening to the show because I think they need my book. <laughs> they do need your book. That's exactly why I brought it up in the first place. <laughs> well, everybody needs your books anyway because I need your book. We've we've we discovered you know discovered that quite a while ago that I need your books because I. You know, and it was a protection thing. I will be very honest with you, Sarah. Where I grew up, it was a protection thing to actually care all the time. Uh, couldn't mm-hmm. calm down because if you calm down, people are going to run right over you and your family. But there's no reason for me to be that way now. You know what I mean? Well, I do think it's the anxiety and stress and overachieving and you know being really ambitious and uh, keeping your your foot on the gas pedal all the time is kind of a defense mechanism. And, you know, I was that kid yep. and young yep. woman and, uh, and everything as well. And I've also learned a little bit with time, what I can do with and do without in terms of people pleasing and keeping all balls in the air to the detriment of my own mental and physical health. So, you know, I do, I totally understand where you're coming from and I'm hoping that all the stuff that I figured out about that is, uh, is, you know, leaking out into humanity by way of the no F given guide. Which is a wonderful thing. I need to take a very, very short break, but we'll be right back. You can be with us another segment, I hope, a complete segment. Sure thing. Will that work for you? Hmm. I should tell you this on the way yep. out, that you've just sold a book in Louisville, Kentucky, to a guy named Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. That's a good. We'll be right back very quickly more with Sarah Knight right after this Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers, come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Ooh. Tether the roof off. Tear the roof off the sucker. Tear the roof off. We're gonna tear the roof off the mother sucker. Tear the roof off the sucker. Love this song. And Sarah Knight loves it too. We're just gonna tear the roof off the mother sucker. That's all I know, Sarah. 
<laughs> Parliament Funkadelic. So you leave, you, you, you said you were living in, in New York and you, you moved to the Dominican Republic or, or an island close to the Dominican Republic. How did you choose that, uh, that area to move to? Well, you know, my husband and I were both interested in checking out a tropical lifestyle and getting out of New York City. We'd been there for 15 mm -hmm. years for me, 20 years for him. And uh, the Dominican Republic ticked a lot of boxes, you know, to be totally honest. We had a list of yeah. things that we were looking for, and it really just was uh, right up there among all of the other places that we researched. So we went down for a vacation, yeah. and we found a town we loved, and now we live there. So, oh, you so you still live there? Excellent. Yeah, it's kind of like so many people have that dream, mm -hmm. but are afraid to do it. Now, uh, what part of well, the, the Dominican? Well, I'll are tell you, you this. Oh, sure. We're on oh, uh, the the Samana Peninsula, which is a little town called mm. Las Terrenas, uh on the mm -hmm. peninsula, and we actually made the decision. We've been thinking about it for a while, but uh, a friend of a friend dropped dead at the age of 36, putting on his socks and shoes to go to work one day. And we heard that news and we said, you know what, maybe we ought to be doing this now. And that was really honestly yeah. the motivation that, that got us down there and bought a house and moved part and parcel to the Caribbean. Do you, uh, do you or your husband play golf? And if you do, do you get over to the teeth of the dog over at Casa de Campo? We do not play golf, although we have friends who spend a lot of time at Casa de Campo. So maybe someday I'll end uh, up there and uh, and learn a thing or two. Altos de Chavon. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. You spent a lot of time the last couple of years in Punta Cana, which is probably way too commercial for you, I would think. That is a little bit so. My husband's in a band called Coda, and they played in Punta Cana a couple months oh. ago, and we went on a little road trip. But that's about four hours uh, south of where we are, so... We're in a right, very quiet right. little fishing village. Got everything I need. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing. Catherine, you had a question for Sarah. Oh, I just was uh, looking at your bio and th that your first book was called The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving an F, which is <laughs> hilarious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, was <laughs> that you. book, obvious, obviously you were, t that's a riff on the tidying the up Marie book, Kondo right? The book, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and are you saying that yeah, that is so like, are you the anti-tidying up person? Is that what you're getting at well, with that the book? the difference between me and, and Marie Kondo is that I work with mental decluttering. So her book, uh, great book. I've read it. Yeah. I liked it. I use right. it. Um, and it's all about decluttering your house, your garage, your closets. But my book is sure. about decluttering your mind. And so, you know, I okay. started out as a, you know, to parody the Marie Kondo book back in 2015 and to, to my mm -hmm. great fortune, people are still talking about the tidying up book now because she has a new TV series out. So it's giving, right. giving my book a new right. life. But, um, but you know, it's really the same principle discarding and organizing, except you're doing it for things that you no longer give an F about, whether that's obligations, tasks, friends, family members, um, you name it. If you don't care about it, then you can get it out of your life. And that's what the, the first book is about. Uh, okay, so you get people, people like the guy next to me, um, like, who has like your husband, who, your husband, Sarah, <laughs> the guy who yeah. play play the same tapes, and sometimes they're detrimental, and you know, in their head, constantly it's coming back, and you know, there's all kinds of things you know people suggest to try to 
stop those negative tapes. Um, what do you have a different take on that? Well, in Calm Me F Down, uh, I mentioned something that you might have heard of if you know anything about um, mindfulness, which is called Teflon Mind. And basically, you're trying not to let the negative thoughts stick. So you recognize them and then you send them off, uh, you know, on their merry way while you focus on whatever you have to be doing instead. And in my book, I actually refer to that practice as creating your emotional puppies. Um, because you can't get anything done with a puppy running around. You know, you might, you might love the puppy. The puppy might be annoying you. It could be a good puppy emotion or a bad puppy emotion. But either way, you are not going to get anything done if you have a puppy running all over the place. So when you get, you know, caught up in those emotions, caught up in that self-talk, um, you need to acknowledge it, let it run its course just like you would a puppy, and then put it over in the mental crate, you know, pick it up by the mental scruff of the neck, shove it in the crate and focus on whatever it is you need to be doing. So that's a tactic from the new book, creating your emotional puppies. Use it okay, and report like back that. to me. <laughs> yeah, we will get that done. Now, now, Sarah, I have to mention something to you. What, what, Catherine's right. I do play a lot of the same tapes over and over again. I would mention this, though, that when I was a kid, uh, we, I grew up in a very dangerous place. My father was mentally ill, so he was dangerous as well. I uh, had a lot of boxing matches when I was seven years old, and I didn't win any of them. But Ooh. I still carry that with me all these years later that I'm still not convinced that life is even safe. All these years later, I still have that in my mind. Are we safe now? Or do I have to still put, put on this, this deal where get away from my family or I will kill you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, uh, first of all, I'm really sorry to hear that. And uh, well, second, you. you know, this is something that although the titles of my books might seem sort of edgy and, and funny and silly, I actually do get into uh, the really tough stuff. And the way that yeah, I approach yeah, this kind of thing is the same way that I approach the easy stuff, which is simple, rational, logical thought. And um, I call it the Sarah Knight uh, blank storm scale. It's a word that, you know, I can't say on air. Um, but it's just like <laughs> no, a hurricane scale. Yeah. And the idea is if you're facing down the prospect of something, if you're feeling unsafe, uh, if you're worried about a particular thing happening, you look at it and you categorize it as either one, highly unlikely, or five, inevitable. And in between, you've mm -hmm. got different, different steps on the scale. And the way I do that when I'm feeling, uh, usually it's anxiety, but for some people it's sadness or anger uh, about something, and I don't really know what to do about it, I, I stop and I think to myself, wait, how likely is this? You know, am I really in danger? Is this thing, yeah. bad thing really going to happen to me? And really logically put, um, you know, put a number to it. And if the number is one or two, man, stop worrying about it. Stop thinking about it. Go do other stuff that you need to worry yeah. about, you know, and I and I go into detail in, in that in the book. So hopefully that kind of mindset will give people, um, you know, a way to hold on to, to, to rationality in the face of irrational fear. Well, it is a wonderful thing, although I, I would say this, Sarah, that we, we are in a, a period right now that to be uh, and I hate to put it this way, but it's true. But to be a white man in America right now, you're kind of looked down upon, which bothers me because we have a son who's a honky. You know, when God bless him, that's, you know, whatever the situation is. <laughs> it's not his fault. But it does bother me that he's lumped in with all these other, you know, bad actors that, 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 that white men used to be and treating everyone like dirt, treating women like dirt, people of other races, uh, orientations, you know, the, the whole, 
gender thing. But but it's carried over now. We we just dealt with this thing, and I don't know if you know, but you probably do this toxic masculinity thing. Do you know anything about that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I'm very familiar Why with is that? toxic masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about it, Sarah. I'll just sit back and listen to you. How are you familiar with that? Uh, well, it's pervasive and has been so since the beginning of, of time. If you're referring to the Gillette ad and the and the backlash, uh-huh. is that yes. what you're talking about? Yes. The, the Gillette yes, ad absolutely. And the backlash to that. Yep. You know, I, I just watched the ad last night, and it gave me chills, really, because what I was left with was the message you know, be the change you want to see in the world and show your sons your best self so that they will be their best Mm -hmm. selves in the future. And to me, that was a really powerful message to be delivered in such a, um, in a, in a really, you know, big way by a major global company, um, which actually displayed a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, diversity in terms of the actors that they used in the, in the video as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the backlash, Mm -hmm. you know, it makes, it makes people uncomfortable. Maybe it makes you a little uncomfortable. Um, but that's the only way that change happens is by creating some friction um, and, mm-hmm. and making people kind of sit up and take notice. And I think that in terms of your son, as long as he's putting his best self to the world, he's going to be fine. He's going to be just fine. I hope so. I, here's the problem that I do have with it. And, and my only argument would be that a truly masculine man would not do the things that they, they're talking about in that ad. Uh, I would, you know, I, I'm a guy. I grew up, uh, I learned how to become a man by my mother. My mother taught me because my father, as I pointed out, was gone. So she taught me how to be a man. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm very serious about this, that a really masculine man would never abuse children, would never force themselves on women or try to get women to do. Truly masculine men wouldn't do those things. Well, that's so why I don't know if the word masculinity is proper. That's why it's toxic masculinity. It's different than just masculinity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it is, and but I also why do we have that, to use the know, word masculine? Semantics, <clears throat> semantics doesn't really help anybody when you're trying to put across the larger more important message, the message that you agree is, mm-hmm. is the correct one to be giving to, to a generation of, of boys and men. And I think that's wonderful that your mother did that for you. My husband's mother, I mean, mm-hmm. my husband, you know, also had a father who, who taught him well, but I think that he learned a lot about how to be a man and treat women uh, from his mother. And I, I am mm-hmm. very thankful for all of the role models, women and men who did that um, for all of the great people in my life. You know, unfortunately, there's not quite enough of them. So we've all got to step up and and be those people for the next generation. Yeah, I mean, Sarah, I will tell you this, and Catherine will tell you, because Catherine and I have been together for 37 years, been married 34, going on 35 years. Um, it's, it's very, very cool. Or Thank you very much. depending. <laughs> oh, to my wife. <laughs> condolences to my wife. Congratulations to me. Well, I accept <laughs> that. But Catherine will tell you, and, and Andy, our son, and Alex, our daughter, are in studio as well. I do not hang out with people that treat uh, that treat their wives poorly. People have come into our lives. We found out that if if they were you know not the, the kind of person we were looking for, then they we moved on or they moved on or whatever. But I, I don't want those men in my life. I have no interest in having somebody who would treat people like that in my life. I, I, my friends are, are they tend to be very big, strong men, but they would never think of doing that to their children. Or, or treating women poorly, or anybody. Um, well, it I, sounds like you, know, you have a so, great group of friends. 
I do. I really do. And what I really like is now our daughter, Alex, is there, and she ta- she loved the toxic masculinity spot that, that Gillette did. Sounds like you did. Catherine, you liked it as well, right? I actually have not seen it. Or you have not even I've seen only it seen okay. the, the, you would love the it, aftermath. Mom. You would like it. after. If, have you watched the ad, Dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah I absolutely have You've watched, watched the ad. watched it? Yep. Okay. Because mm-hmm. what you're th- I just you're don't, s- you're sa- yeah. what you're saying is what happens in the commercial. They're like, we have to teach men to you know step in if somebody's right. acting like an idiot and whatever. I like it much better the Sarah Knight way. Instead of saying toxic masculinity, just go with toxic f heads. Yeah. How about that, Sarah? What do you think? <laughs> Same difference. Oh, well, thank you so much. I feel so much better about this. But, uh, Cassie, what did you think of it? Um, I thought the commercial was well done. It just, uh, to me, I didn't see anything wrong with it. It was teaching, especially it showed, you know, little clips of children looking up to men that are doing the right thing. And that's what I think we need more of today. So I don't see how this is a negative ad at all. No, and I think women all see it that way. And I don't know that. Look, I didn't. I didn't mind the ad. And I, these people that are reacting poorly to Gillette, I'll never use Gillette again. Well, I use Gillette. I've always used Gillette. I have a Schick razor and a Gillette razor. I was not offended by it at all. I just wanted to make sure that people understood because I don't. Do you think, Sarah, that most people know what truly masculine behavior is? Because I think there's a misconception about what masculine behavior actually is. Well, maybe there is, but I think more than that, the, the conversation was started on behalf of, of women and, and being able yeah, right. as a woman to speak up and say, I've been living uh, as, you know, a, a, a subjugated or, or less well compensated or per- perceived mm-hmm. as weaker part of society for a real long time now, and I'm tired of it, and I would like everybody to listen to me when I say that I have received a particular kind of treatment on, on at the hands of men. And I would like men to acknowledge that this is true and let's all move on from it instead of, um, you know, instead of spending too much time defending, I mean, you know, the, the sad thing is that you might not even know that some of, some of your greatest friends have done some things that maybe they should, they should regret. And what we need to do Mm -hmm. is listen to the women who are talking about those things and all move forward together. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very very true, and I have no problem with that whatsoever. I want my 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 son and my daughter, our grandchildren, their their girlfriends and husbands and, and all the rest of it. I don't like. I've never liked aggressive behavior for no reason. Bullies. Catherine will tell mm-hmm. you, and I, my kids will tell you that if I see it, I put a stop to it immediately. I and I don't know any anybody else that does that kind of thing. I do, and and you can talk to Catherine off the off the show about this. I do not tolerate poor behavior by men. I never will. So maybe I was the inventor of the end of toxic masculinity. <laughs> I'm taking full credit, Sarah. I just want you to know that's not a toxic male <laughs> thing to say. No, not at all, <laughs> Sarah. We need to have you on more often because I love your take on life. It's like. Calm the F down, how to control what you can and accept what you can't so you can stop freaking out and get on with your life. No Fs given guides. I mean, the whole thing from, from, the, from the very start, I, we, I love talking to you about this stuff. You have a really good take on it. And so you need to come well, back more Well, thanks so much. Often. I appreciate being on. <laughs> it's right, well, a I'll great pleasure. I can do Sarah between Knight. pina coladas and 
Naps under my palm tree. Oh, you, you know, it's such a tough life for hey. Sarah Knight. It's all true. <laughs> Sarah, thank you very much. Have a great day. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.